Hello and welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Krauss, licensed professional counselor. In today's episode, I'm going to be speaking with Dr. Karthik Ramanan. Dr. Karthik Ramanan is a naturopathic physician in the state of Arizona. He is also an inspirational public speaker. He hosts a show on YouTube about everyday mental health, and he's all about helping people who are ambitious and self-criticism. Dr. Karthik Ramanan, welcome to the Intentional Clinician Podcast. Well, thank you for having me, Paul. Excited to be back. Absolutely. Now, for listeners who are new to you, you were on episode two of this podcast, the second episode that went live, and at that time, you were not a doctor yet. No, I was not. That was, uh, what, a couple years ago, I think? Yeah. Um, seems like ages. Yeah, that I was, was in the 2017. Of, uh, yeah. That's right. I was in the middle of a 108-day mastication vacation, giving uh, up yes. uh, chewing food for 108 days uh, to overcome food addiction. And uh, that was really, that was a good time. It was a good time. It was a good podcast. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just curious, is the mastication vacation still online? No, it is not. Oh. No, it has not been online for a little while. Okay. I do uh, I do short, um, you know, juice fasts or water fasts and that sort of thing, but uh, but nothing extended to that degree since then. Okay. Yeah, so just for your listeners who are reviewing this, you did go on a 108-day juice fast, which you called the Mastication Vacation, and I believe you posted a video almost every day of that juice fast. Yeah, yeah, actually, well, it was it was juices and smoothies. There was still fiber in there to get technical, but uh but yes, I I did uh post like a almost a daily vlog. Uh, I think out of the 108 days, I think I posted 80, 85 videos or something like that. Uh so you kind of take the journey with me uh back then, but uh, but a lot has changed since then. Um graduated from medical school in uh June of 2017, so it's been almost 2 years now. And uh, actually, from two days from the recording of this episode is actually the two-year anniversary of uh, proposing to a woman who's now my wife because we got married since then. But uh, but yeah, this was that June of 2017, which was soon after we did the first podcast. Uh, got engaged, graduated, and uh, yeah, and and we got married uh, last year in December. Uh, which we were out here for, so that was a good time. It was an and, excellent, uh, epic wedding in Arizona. It was probably one of the most epic weddings I've ever been to. And I don't use that word uh, because it's trendy. I use it because it had two ceremonies, which was incredible and moving. So I appreciate you inviting us out to the wedding in uh, Arizona. It was wonderful. Well, thank you for the kind words. We definitely had a a great time and uh it, it was wonderful having having you guys there yes yeah, so um, i'm excited for our listeners to learn more about what you're doing these days um because i believe i think you're you have a very authentic message um with the way that you communicate in your videos and other um recordings that you've been doing and I feel that you have a large sense of transparency. Being a doctor, um, I don't know too many doctors that are very transparent uh, and open about their personal life and their personal struggles. And I think because you are open about what you've gone through and what you're going through, even just on a daily basis, both your ups and your downs, I think that that is why uh, people are now seeking you out for um, coaching, consultation, 
being a patient and also really, I think, just getting into your show and I guess your upcoming courses that you're doing. So I'd love you to tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, I think to touch on your point about being transparent, I think it's just critical, at least for for me, I feel that way because the reality is, yeah, there's people of authority who understand uh, either they've gone through something themselves or they've studied it. They've studied other people who are successful at it. They've uh, There's so many ways to become an expert, but the way I see the things that I talk about in the realm of everyday mental health and uh, lifestyle medicine and, and doing the things every day to stay healthy and live a long, fruitful life, it's challenging. We live in a modern world and I don't think it's possible to be you know, perfect all the time and I don't think it's realistic. And yet so many of us have this idealized vision when we're in a dark place that the only way out of it is to be perfect or we struggle with perfectionism and we figure that if anything less than that ideal perfect diet and exercising every day and all these things, if we don't do it all, then it's worth nothing. And I think it's important to uh, really show people that, you know, yes, I'm, I'm a doctor. Yes, I've gone through a whole lot of training. I've helped a whole lot of people. At the same time, that doesn't necessarily mean that I've got it all together, right? It just means that I'm maybe a half step in front of you and I can show you the way. Yes, I love that. I think that is a fantastic attitude. Uh, I do think it's very uncommon and unique to you and maybe a few other people out there, honestly, because um, even watching doctors on television shows, um, I won't name names, but doctors that go on talk shows, I, I hear them, if they tell anything about their personal life, it's like this small wrapped up nugget that I feel like a ghostwriter wrote. And it's not like the full story. And that's cool. I'm not trying to criticize them because they have a ton of information that they're dispelling and helping the public, and that's great. But I really think that you talk in depth about your daily struggles. And yes, you have all this information. And um, there's so many ways we could go with this because I was going to go on a tangent about um, how difficult it is to be healthy sometimes in a modern world. But I feel like I'm going to just put that on hold and ask you a little bit more about your own journey, because I think the story is very important to know how you came to this point that you are um, so open. And I know that you were open in the second episode, but I think that even more transformation and difficult times happened to you between um, this episode is being recorded in June 2019 and May 2017. I think there was, um, I think you called it a low point. Could you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, so uh, to get my full story, you can listen to episode two, um, but I'll give you the quick highlights. So I was, you know, pretty much overweight my whole life. And uh, going into my 20s, I was working um, at, a, uh, at a bank on Wall Street, had a pretty successful career there. And I was you know successful by worldly standards but i had this intense self-criticism intense hatred really of who i had become i I could not seem to shake this sense of lack of purpose that i had i just felt like i was going to work every day doing my job coming home and was utterly lonely could not i didn't have the confidence to 
you know, find the right person to, you know, dating wasn't successful. Um, and I was, I was very lonely and I, and I didn't let people in, into my head. I didn't let people know Like I'm transparent now, but back then I, I, I would go to work and I wouldn't really share anything about my personal life with anybody, but I'd go there and I'd put on a mask and, you know, be highly functional and everything was fine. But then I'd come home and I was just completely isolated. And I yeah. did that to myself because it was a protection mechanism. Well, anyway, uh, after years of trying to lose weight and wasn't successful, I saw my sister after a three month span and she had lost a tremendous amount of weight and her skin had cleared up and she looked incredible. And I said, well, you know, what did you do? She said, I went on a raw vegan diet. And I said, okay, what's that? She said, I just eat fresh fruits, vegetables, nuts, and seeds uncooked, just like they're found in nature. I said, okay, you are crazy. But <laughs> I was at a low point. That was maybe the second low point of my life. And, um, you know, we have these peaks and valleys and that was uh, valley number two. Um, the first valley, if you want to rewind back in college, I was, you know, had a, a serious uh, loss of identity um, at, at that point in, in my life. And uh, I was severely depressed for about four to five years. So this was, but came out of that successfully now going back to 2011. And I was at this point, saw my sister and I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I started changing the way I ate and just ate more whole plant foods. And eventually the weight started coming off. I started getting more juicing and whatnot. And, um, and I realized like, wow, I can have the body that I've always wanted. And I started exploring this and people started being attracted to me to ask for answers and try to help them out. And I, I didn't do much, but I saw type two diabetes go away, hypertension, cholesterol issues. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. But apparently, whatever I'm doing is reversing your chronic diseases. I got to, this is so fulfilling. I need to do this for a career. So eventually, I, you know, I moved to Arizona. I went to naturopathic medical school, uh, which is also where I met my wife. And um, so, yes. And then fast forward, end of medical school, we did our first episode, uh, was really in a very accelerated, very exciting time, right? We did the episode. The month after that, and I, during that time, I was actually preparing for my proposal. So we had we had um, a talent show every year back in our, our medical school, and <clears throat> I, uh, myself, and uh, a few of my friends, uh, we uh, rehearsed to do a couple songs, um, which really meant to outline the highs and lows of our four years there. So the lows was represented by the sound of silence, the disturbed version, and the highs were. Um, uh, Counting Stars by One Republic, which is actually a song that meant a lot to my wife and I. And uh, anyway, at the end of that second song, it was the last last uh, act of the night. I proposed to her, and that was a high point, obviously. And then graduation, like three weeks, two weeks later, I think, was another high point. Um, so, and after that, you're you know you graduate, you're like yay, success. But then turn around five weeks later, you have to take the board exam. So then, you know, went through, uh, you know, took that exam, then you have to wait a while. And, but during that time, I was just, I didn't realize how drained I was, mm. how tired I was, how, how much I had strayed in my heart from, you know, the purpose that had driven me to medical school in the first place. Like I didn't get there. And I didn't become this outgoing, public speaking, you know, student government president person in medical school by being who I was in the years past. Like back in New York, I didn't leave my apartments on the weekends. 
I didn't want to be seen. And here I was as this completely different person now, outgoing and and really thriving on contributing to people and being transparent. But here was the challenge. We all feel like we need to fit in it, to some degree. We're a social species, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it takes some real mindfulness to be able to stand strong on your own. And even though I felt like I was doing that, I had slowly deviated from it. And the struggle that I had you know, after graduation, after, so here I was wanting to do these other things that didn't look like traditionally practicing medicine. I wanted to be a speaker. I wanted to, uh, I was starting this, um, you know, basically proactive care, um, health care model, um, with a friend of mine, uh, and doing these different things that didn't look like practicing medicine. Meanwhile, my fiance at the time was, uh, was in a different city, 90 minutes away. So we were apart for the first time. And we're having to, having to do the distance thing and the stress and just the f- isolation and the feeling of almost loss of purpose was very strong because, you know, you go from a very social environment to a very isolated environment. The one person that you spend the most time with is also not with you on a regular basis. We saw each other on the weekends mostly. And whole of 2018, I was just unable to get any momentum going in my life my weight started creeping up and I knew that, um, you know, my wedding was coming up and, you know, the, the stresses that go along, you know, that the stresses that go along with planning a wedding and the finances and all that stuff. So I was just at a point where I noticed that even the smallest things would cause breakdowns at a certain point. It was around April of last year, 2018. And, uh, it was around that time that I, I talked to you actually. And you said, dude, you got to get some EMDR. And it was a hard pill for me to swallow at first because I grew up almost with a sense of if you get help, it's a sign of weakness. And if you, and if you have, if, if you're weak, then what's your worth kind of thing. Um, and certainly, you know, our, um, our culture here in America is, you know, again, masculine strength don't show weakness kind of thing all all that uh added to it as well and i you know i didn't listen to you at first <laughs> i said no i can uh, i can do this on my own but ultimately i realized the doctor that treats himself has a fool for a patient and we can't see ourselves the way that other people see us we are so clouded by our own stories and our own belief patterns about who we think we are that we cannot see ourselves objectively. And I just got to a point in June of last year, I guess we're approaching a year since I started my first session, but I, you know, I got a referral from you. I I found, um, I found a therapist here and I was just at this place again, low point number three of my life where I just, I was, it hurt so much. I was in so much emotional pain that I had to take action. It hurt enough. And that's something I talk about is like when you're not changing it, it's because it doesn't hurt enough. Right. And it hurt enough. And I said, because I was at this point where I said, I can't, I don't want to be this person going into our marriage. Right. I'm getting married six months from now. I can't be this guy. And actually, it's not fair to my wife. Yeah. It's not. Fa- so I, that was the point that I said, okay, I'm going to do EMDR and we can go into that here in a second. But, uh, but that's basically, you know, what got me to, the front door of the of EMDR psychotherapy. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm so glad you told that story and, and how you told it is very important, you know, with some of the things that you just said about 
we don't go sometimes until it hurts enough until we're we'll in enough pain which is which is a uh, kind of like a human condition trait we don't always do preventative medicine and i remember the reason i actually i wanted to comment on this why i chose emdr therapy for you um, rather than just sending you to a regular talk therapist is because you have a mindset a positive mindset you do all these positive you know things in your life you're working out you're trying to eat right um you read uh positive philosophy you're reading medicine books so in my mind you're a super high functioning individual who basically is just all of a sudden having this huge stress i don't know what you want to call it depression uh, loss of purpose, disconnection, isolation out of out of nowhere, and and for a while I remember you were telling me, no, I don't, I don't need therapy. You know, I, I, you know, I'm the guy people come to. I'm the guy that helps people. I'm the public speaker. I'm the, I'm the man that, and I can't, I can't do that. And I, and I said to you, the reason I'm choosing EMDR is because it's working on this sub, almost subconscious stored information from past experiences that you've already overcome but it's as if you know in some situations like our mind or body is still reacting like it needs to overcome and you know that's one of the ways and just it was some deeper stuff that was going on with you where it was just you know it was subtle it wasn't like you had some secret past or something it was just it was there in the background lurking and um just for our listeners, I do multiple episodes on EMDR, so you can check that out. But I think it was just so effective, and that's why I love trauma-informed counseling and trauma-informed care, which is what my entire practice is about and my center is about, while we do lots of other counseling and existential therapy and career counseling and all that as well, and family therapy, I really find EMDR so effective. And I, I love that you're willing to talk about your journey a little bit with that. You don't have to go into too much detail, but just the, the results you got from that in a short period of time, just from our phone calls, um, hearing you before you went to EMDR and hearing you after you went to three or four sessions was, I was like, I felt like I was talking to a different person. So... Mm. Yeah, that's really awesome that you noticed that, um, you know, and I felt like something was changing. But again, when you you live inside your own mind every day, you don't notice the changes. Mm-hmm. Right? They're very subtle on a day to day basis. But when somebody sees you after talks to you after three, four weeks or even longer, the change is significantly noticeable. Well, what um, I tell you what, though, I remember I was up in um in Payson visiting my wife that week and it was during the week. And then I had my session, I think it was like on Wednesday or something and I'm driving down to the Valley and I, I didn't have a panic attack, but it was mini (laughs) because you want to know what my biggest fear was. What's that? I was afraid EMDR would work. Oh, really? Plot. This is a plot twist. I did not know this was coming. Tell me more about this. I was afraid it would work because here's the thing. I didn't realize this, but I always had a way out. If I managed to slip up something or make a mistake or didn't live up to my potential, I could always say, yeah, well, you know, I got some darkness. Mm -hmm. I'm prone to depression if, you know, if things consistently go against me and the stress continues to rise and then it, breaks my coping mechanism is just who I am. It's just who I am. 
Mm. And I was afraid that it would work and I would have no excuses in life anymore. Wow. That is and incredible. Keep going. So I, uh, and I told my therapist this, of, you know, first session and the first session, you know, really we were just kind of talking, giving kind of her an overview of my life to that point. The second session was a little bit more game planning and treatment plan strategy. And I think it was the third session that we actually started the EMDR process. But I tell you what, the, the approach that we took was we went to kind of the root uh, we'll call it trauma. It wasn't really a traumatic event in what you would conventionally think of trauma, but you know any event that um, any event that produces a result that hinders us going forward mm. in childhood, you know, is something to be aware of and maybe work on. Yeah, or any time really, to be honest. Yeah, exactly. Anything that sticks with you that you can't shake. Yeah, exactly. And and this was something that stuck with me that was one of the pillars and foundations of a deeply, deeply held self-criticism. Like, and I'm not just talking about self-doubt. Oh, I don't know if I can. Hmm. It, it's not, I don't know if I can. It means I am incapable, unworthy, unlovable. This is not meant for me. I'm wow. worthless. Wow. Like deep, like it was like hidden because if anybody knows Dr. Ramanan Karthik, I, you would never suspect this was the case. And I'm talking about pre-EMDR Karthik. I, people think, I, I don't know, it's just an assumption, I think, because you're such a positive guy and you help so many people that they got to think, wow, Karthik, man, he's got it all together. And, you know, I'm sure if somebody said, do you think Karthik has some sort of deep-seated, not, you know, thinking is unworthy they 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 would have said no are you kidding me i mean isn't that true i don't know that's my perspective you know probably probably um you know and the thing is i thought i had overcome that but that was the gift of the year of 2018 for me uh was that everything was going against me professionally personally was a strain being away from uh, my fiance my wife now all these things right mm. and you know and then uh, financial s struggles, like a whole bunch of different things. And when those things start to pile up, that stress starts mm -hmm. to really reveal what is truly underneath. Yeah. So yes, maybe I developed a lot of strong, you know, beliefs and behavior patterns and on all that stuff, which is fine most of the time, but it didn't mm -hmm. stand the test of the pressure of 2018 for me. And that's what the gift was. Uh, along with your suggestion of going for EMDR, so uh, what we did was we started with a root, a root um, wounding, we'll call it, right, and then that was six years old, and then you know there's different events that that as a child you produce different uh, lessons, like about myself, you know, that I'm not an athlete or I, you know, I can't run or whatever the case may be. There was a lot of those type of things too, and. Then as life goes on, we find events that reaffirm those beliefs and now it gets stronger and stronger and stronger uh, to the point that we don't even remember sometimes where it came from, but it's incredibly strong. And we're like, no, this is the truth of the universe. No, it's not. Hmm. You decided that long ago. It doesn't have to be if you don't want it to be. So we started at the root of the root one was I am unworthy, hmm. right? It was an event that, that helped build that foundation that everything and over two weeks of going through emdr so two sessions one hour each by the end of the second week i mean i'm i'm telling you paul it's not even the conscious thoughts 
And it's not even the subconscious thoughts. It was also like my autonomic nervous system was performing better. I was no longer constipated. Think really? about that. I did yeah, not know insane. that. I mean, I was well, holding on to so much pain, wow. <laughs> right? That and my digestion's been amazing ever since. I didn't change my food. So I've heard was, reports like this, but I actually did not know you were going to say that. Yeah. I didn't know that I was mean, a thing. I mean, it was incredible. Like I and I was just walking around doing my thing going, okay, I feel different, but I don't really know until something happens then maybe I re- react a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Maybe what used to be a trigger is no longer producing the same effect. Anyway, we go through the different memories and reprocess all of them. And it's it's a double benefit because A, you're removing the limiting belief that came from that memory. And you're allowing your mind to heal itself and create something positive out of that memory. So you get a, a like a double swing. You erase the negative and you add a positive. So at the end of 13 weeks, I truly, truly felt like a new man because I had a new nervous system, effectively. And that was really the birthplace of you know, my professional journeys, and we'll talk about that here in a second. But I, I and not to mention just the, the personal side, I went into the wedding feeling like my best self and now just being able to be the best husband I can be because that's ultimately the reason why I wanted to do whatever I had to do because it meant the world to me to make sure that I was in the right place going into that going into our wedding. That's amazing. I I think that's such an inspirational story and uh, on a lot of the podcasts I've talked about EMDR and how it works and how it could help. But I believe this is just a beautiful story of how it helped. And it wasn't even that long that you were in therapy. I think you really benefited quickly. And just for the listeners to understand what Karthik's talking about with the uh, constipation is that I talk to physical therapists a lot about this. And they find a lot of times people have physical problems. And sometimes they have a very physical basis. Well, maybe most of the time. But there's oftentimes they get people in their offices who are having strange physical aches, pains, um, parts of their body that won't stretch, chronic indigestion. I mean, just all sorts of things like that. And uh, a lot of times they actually, the good ones, can recognize that some of it is somewhat psychological. And what that means is that at the time when trauma began or the message of the trauma, something, the body is also, the autonomic nervous system is also reacting on a subconscious level that we may not even be aware of unless we're really body aware. And so um, you noticed all of a sudden relief and so, and I've been through EMDR myself, and I've noticed just on a small level, even when I'm working, uh, maybe not on like some core trauma, but just on some other things that happened, I'll notice leaving my therapist's office, my my shoulders feel looser, I feel more calm, controlled, I feel that I would like to, you know, be nice to everyone I come into contact with, uh, whether it be like a store clerk or whatever. It's just, it, you feel physically different. It's not just... Um, mentally or psychologically. So I'm really glad you brought that point up. And I love that you just were like, I've got to do this. Like, I've, I'm going to my wedding. I'm going to this new professional place. And and interestingly, this difficult, dark place that you were in that took, you know, months to get out of, 
you then took your experience in EMDR and it actually changed some of your business model and the way that you were approaching your, it was, you're still in the same ballpark being the speaker and helping people on lifestyle medicine, but it, it changed some of the trajectory of your actual business plan and what you're doing now. And so I just am so inspired by that because I think oftentimes, you, you've heard the saying, you don't know what you don't know, right? But I believe there's this thing that happens with people, especially when they're depressed or anxious, where they have a, some sort of, it, they're kind of blind to it, but there's a belief system going on that they think they know, well, it's only, gonna, if it does get better, it could only get this much better. And, or I don't think I could ever get better, which is one I hear a lot. Or, well, I could get better in some areas, but that area is never going to get better. Or, or just about their life. Hey, have you ever thought about trying this? Have you ever thought about changing careers? Have you ever thought about trying to uh, date a different type of person in terms of their personality? And uh, no, I could never do that. That doesn't work for me. And it's almost as if they believe they can read the future. And I feel like that's depression or anxiety talking there. And so when you did this, it transformed you in a way that you could have never imagined before the process because you started thinking of new ideas and became even more creative to the point where your videos, and I was asking, are your videos still online? I feel like you took them down because your new videos, it's like night and day, you know, like, I mean, those, I liked those videos. I thought they were great. I told you they were wonderful, but uh, I mean, your new videos, it's like you're ready for cable TV, you know, if that's still a thing or Netflix. Um, so, I just, I, I, I think it's great how you discuss psychologically it helped you be your best self going into your wedding, which is obviously relationships are number one, very important part of being a human being. Um, and then it, it, it helped you feel better physically, which was a surprise. I didn't know you were going to say that. And then number three, I noticed that, and I think you've said this, that all of a sudden you had all this creativity and you just came up with even more awesome ideas and your performance level um, increased. So that's that's what I'm saying. I'm so inspired by it. Thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I it's true. All of that, hundred um, percent. It's fascinating what you, you mentioned about you know people almost have a limiter about either I can never get better or I can only get so much better or this area of my life is impossible to improve. And we all do this. It's not like it's a wrong oh, yeah. bad thing. You know, it's I, I think people especially those of us that are prone to self-criticism, it's very easy to say, well, you know, yes, I, I always mess up. I always do it the wrong way and things like that. Um, it's That's human nature. We're designed to protect ourselves. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that. Now, if you want to change, you have to take off the limiters. And sometimes it's just, you know, life circumstances will help you get there by That's giving true. you enough problems, you know? And I was in that place where it was, because if I look at the three situations, I was in deep depression in college. How did I come out of it? Well, it was the desperation of, you know, I, I had a job offer going into my graduation and a week before I graduated, the company pulled the offer because it was a startup and they couldn't do it. So I graduated with nothing in hand and, oh man, those six weeks after that, I hustled so hard to try to get something going. And finally, when I got it, it was a job that I never thought I could get before. A dream and job, really. It was, it was, it really was. And they valued me. And that shattered my perception of like, hey, I'm not good enough when they actually value me, right? Yeah. And the second one was, again, with the, the weight issues and the loneliness issues back in 2011. 
Um, and uh, again, I was just at a point of desperation where is, if this is going to be me now, I'm just going to be you know overweight and alone for the rest of my life. Desperation took action. And then again, last year, I don't want to go into my wedding like this. I can't do that to my wife. I can't do that to her. So desperation took action. When you're in those states of desperation, you take off the limiters because it's like, I surrender. Now, it's not enough to tell somebody you just got to surrender, just let go, right? <laughs> it's like, just hold a pen out in front of you, right? And tr listen to the verb, try to let go. No, don't let go, try to let go. Yeah. You're not going to let the pen go, right? So it's, but you just have to get to that place. And sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, filling your mind with maybe it's the self-help books. Maybe it's talking to people like us until you get to the point you're like, okay, now I'm ready. Right. And I just had to get to that point that I was ready. One thing I did want to say about how it improved, you know, going into my marriage, obviously the going into the wedding itself was unbelievably stressful. Right. Um, and we were tired. It was, you know, incredible, incredible wedding, um, you know, memories for a lifetime and just had everybody with us. It was an amazing time. And after that, we went to um, Kauai and Maui for two weeks for our honeymoon, came back uh, immediately, uh, visit, you know, spent time with her family for Christmas and then drove back here. We had a property that we flipped into an Airbnb. And finally, after a whirlwind month, we just kind of crashed in the beginning of January. And uh, we're just starting to, you know, at that time, we were just starting to like figure out, okay, how do we want to pick up and, you know, start this married life? And I tell you what, I would have never been able to handle all that without EMDR. Never, never. Yeah. Because all of that stress, all like anything that triggers you, that makes you feel like I'm not good enough, that makes you feel I'm not worthy, that makes you feel I'm not lovable, that makes you feel I'm not capable, that I'm not powerful. All those stories, like you, you go through a stressful time, that stuff is going to come up and it's going to hinder you being able to perform to your best, to your ability. And so EMDR absolutely made that season of my life feasible and helped me, you know, uh, perform to the best of my ability. And then also, you know, to talk about relationships that's probably a whole nother podcast episode probably. that we, we should get into. Um, we'll, we'll do that one. But, um, you know, yes, we've, we've been married six months, but we've been together for almost five years. And one of the things that Samantha and I are very, very good at, like our superpower as a couple is communication. And we have our triggers and whatnot, but we work on the triggers. We alleviate them. EMDR helped me tremendously with that. Right. And, but we, you have to, if you want to be in a good relationship, you have to be in a good relationship with yourself first. Mm -hmm. Like I would have never found her if I didn't work on me first. Again, it's a whole different episode and we will do that one. <laughs> but it's, it's like, if you want to, why, like, what is your pain point in life? And recognize that the only thing holding you back is the stories you tell yourself. And there are absolutely ways of getting through that. There are absolutely ways of achieving what you want to achieve. You just have to be willing to let go of the things that you hold on to as truths about yourself and accept what is actually true about yourself. Which is release a risk. Who you, yeah, Sorry. right. Just release who you think you are supposed to be and accept who you are.
And with and I want to say that's a risk because I think anytime you try something new, so you talked about you know our, we're you know our basis is our brain is trying to keep us alive at all times, and so our brain comes up with stories and little tricks to protect us. And you know, like an easy example is somebody who is afraid to go out uh, because they're fearing rejection and they have social anxiety, and they have never taken the time to practice, you know, have the buddy system, um, get some consultation on how to do that. And so they just tell themselves, well, I'm a loner. I'm always going to be a loner. No one's going to like me. And then these stories are deep inside and ingrained. And so I think it's a risk to start um, accepting that you're a worthy human being and that you've had difficult times that have told you messages and your body's trying to protect yourself, your brain's trying to protect yourself. So a lot of times we are stuck in our patterns. And the, f- the idea of just having the awareness that you're telling yourself a story instead of it's a fact is one of the first steps before you can go further. But a lot of times we do need someone to help us. We need a counselor, a therapist, a mentor, a book, um, you know, uh, an e-course, a podcast, something to help us guide through our blind spots because we all have them and we're all human. And um, it is difficult in our culture, which uh, can be somewhat isolating uh, due to the way it currently functions. Um, And so I'm really glad that you talked about that because when you, you know, you talk about letting go of the pen, um, I think that people uh, are, are afraid that if they let go of the pen, they'll never be able to pick up the pen again. Like, if I let go of this identity, then I can never go back to this. Well, no, you always can, you know. So right. that that's the hard part is it is a risk because when you do something new, usually you're also not going to be very good at it because you haven't practiced. You have no practice. So the person who's trying to overcome social anxiety, for instance, they have no practice or not no practice. They have little practice being social in the new way. And to be social in the new way um, that when they're out and about or whatever their activity they're involved in, they must do new things, which is a risk and it and can face rejection and can face disappointments. But a lot of it, um, I would say most of it, unless they're in an abusive, bad situation, oftentimes is going on inside their head, inside their own filters, inside their own mind, and it's translated inaccurately. And so that is why, um, it's just so important to figure out what stories you are telling yourself and and look at to what is possible. Not everything in the world is possible to everyone at any time, but a lot more than you think is possible in your life. 100%, 100%. Like we we rarely give ourselves enough credit for what we're capable of. Um on a honest level, it's either, it feels like it's either not giving ourselves enough credit or just this blind, um, you know, hubris that still doesn't end up with the desired result. But yeah, it's, um, it is risky, but at the same time, I think you have to start to think about what does your present state, maybe it's a diagnosis, you know, let's say rheumatoid arthritis or whatever, it, it might not seem related, but it's ask yourself, what does my present state and my present suffering allow me to do that I would not be able to do if I were healed. Ah, uh, yes, absolutely. You have to almost imagine that. You have to kind of go further into picturing that. Yeah, I mean, there was a, a 
clinic that I was at and the patient was, uh, you know, coming in for, for lupus and something that she had been struggling with for a long time. Uh, and uh, she's leaving. You know, I see her license plate and it was something like lupus one or something like that. Huh. That's part of your identity. Oh my goodness. How are you going to let go of that? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so if, if you're so attached to your diagnosis, if you're so attached to your problems, if you're so attached to, you know, my parent did this to me and screwed me up for life or whatever the story is, right. You, you can hold on to it. There's nothing wrong with that, right? We're not making any judgments and, here. There's nothing that wrong a, with doing it's that. A protective it's measure. just that yeah. it's a protective measure, right? Like that is, that's what our brain is designed to do. It's mm-hmm. Fundamentally, that's what it's designed to do. The problem is for every action, there's a reaction. And if you don't like the result, the reaction, then you have to change the action. You have to change what you're doing and how you're being in order to get the desired result. It, to go back to the, the, the relationship, I, for years and years and years, was always wondering like I'm the nice guy all my friends who are women say I'm such a nice guy and nobody like how come it doesn't translate into you know any kind of success in dating or whatever right and it's because I wasn't being the person that I would need to be in order to attract the person that I needed and finally when I did work on myself and I became the person that I was meant to be, that I truly am, and I gave up like searching, so to speak, then we, you know, Samantha and I just connected. And it was, it was like effort. Well, I shouldn't say it was effortless, but it was, it was so natural that I remember, you know, even though it was five years ago, I still remember just going, is this happening? Is this real? <laughs> you know, and um, because I had become my truest self, and she had gone through something and become her truest self, and we were in line, right? So you, again, you have to be a certain way in order to get the result that you want. So if you don't like the result, you have to change who you are being. Well, and you have to be open to feedback. Um, yeah. You know, we don't want to make this about being perfect at all. But no, I believe, no, no, not uh, I believe that. Uh, so this is not what this is about. But you, you need feedback from trusted people. Um, you don't have to keep up with the Joneses and conform and do mm-hmm. whatever it is that you think that um, you know. Maybe there's some aversion to sort of that talk of getting feedback and 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 on that because you you were a nice guy. You know, and you you did a lot of good things. But when you did your personal transformation, you didn't need to look for a woman anymore. You didn't need to read a blog about how to date and how to text people and how to um, how to be romantic with a woman. If you are in line with who you are, um, who what your best version of yourself is, what you're seeking, whether it be a relationship for most people. Uh, a lot of people want to be in some type of relationship or a job or um, a new path or some answers. It's going to it's gonna come a lot easier versus trying to what I call white knuckle it where you're gripping so hard to trying to do it the right way, the perfect way. And you've got all these ideas about who you are, and it's not fair. How come I'm the nice guy? Why is it? Why isn't somebody you know notice that? Well, 
the feedback comes from others. How am I being perceived? Not that you weren't being perceived as the nice guy, but you might have been perceived, I don't know, it's just speculation, as a guy who wasn't really quite sure about what he was doing in the world and if it was a good thing yeah, that he was doing. 100%. And I know, and I, part of that I know is because I'm cheating because I know your story and you, you, you were really good at your job, but you didn't, it didn't fulfill you completely. So, mm-hmm. you know, you're out of alignment with your true calling or your true self or whatever you want to call that. Um, and so I would say the same about me. Like, um, I've got a lot of ideas and one of the things I avoided for a long time in my life was getting feedback on my public speaking. And uh, I remember I've taught classes. I've been a professor, um, at a university. I have taught, uh, counseling groups. I have run group therapy, um, I've hosted a podcast. Obviously, hopefully the quality is increasing per episode. Um, I've done public speaking events. And I actually, this is a confession, I've avoided going to, you know, speaking classes and these sort of things to get rid of some of the colloquial things that I say and also to work on pacing. Um, But for my last speech in Chicago in May for the National Violence Prevention Hotline at the Cultural Impact Conference, I sought some coaching. And I only did about four sessions, and I'm definitely going to have to do more before my next speech, but it was an incredible transformation because it doesn't matter if I think I've got good ideas and I want to bring something into the world. What matters is partly, you know, my what matters is how are people perceiving what I'm bringing into the world? What, obviously, we believe what it what matters is on the inside and how you are at peace with yourself. But I needed to come into grips of not just hanging on to what I thought, but I needed to get the feedback of others to say, hey, you know, I like this, a trusted person, but when you did this, that didn't work for me. And when you moved your leg like this, and when you talked like this, I, I lost interest in your discussion and authentic feedback. So having a trusted friend, mentor, counselor, coach, whatever, is so important to our growth because we only know what we know and we aren't looking at ourselves. We're looking out of our eyeballs in our skull at other people all the time. And we can try to be non-judgmental, but we all judge people. So yeah, and <laughs> go, for, go to, with that. That's, I'm on a tangent. Go for it. So when you're talking about you don't have to change who you are, that's really important. Uh, At the same time, I'll put it this way. Who we are, I think, is more defined by our whys in life. Yes. Uh, The things that we believe in, right? The the reasons we have for doing the things we do, being who we are, right? That is our true, deepest identity. And nobody is saying change that. However... There is how we say things, there you which go. is how we are perceived, that can be tweaked. And that would be like you getting speaking coaching, right? Yes. You're not changing your why. That's who you are. You're changing your how and maybe your what, like what are you saying, that is allowing the other side to understand your why better rather than triggering you know, preconceived notions or just tuning out because they got too distracted on the leg shaking or whatever, you know, (laughs) habit that you had. Right. Yeah. So it's really important to get that feedback and recognize, you know, that you're ready for that feedback. So to kind of, uh, tie it into the, the business side of things that we were kind of talking about earlier. So I got to a point where 
I said, okay, you know what? I need to take my business uh, more seriously and stop dabbling, start dominating, right? And Ooh, I, I like invested I invested in a uh, course by Shalene Johnson called the Marketing Impact Academy. And I went to her um, went to her conference back in February. Also, I had previously invested uh, in a uh, YouTube course by Sean Cannell, uh, Think Media. And um, I got to meet him there, which was awesome too. And just being around those people and people that I learned so much from changed everything. Like, again, I could sit here and try to do this by myself, but, I, you know, I, or I could take, you know, invest a little bit in myself and find the fast track, learn from their wisdom, get their feedback. And that's exactly what I did. And, um, and that's, you know, what you're seeing, obviously, in the difference in not just the quality of, let's say, the, the videos compared to where it was, um, you know, during the mastication vacation, but also the clarity of message. Because here's the challenge that I had, right? So talk about the last seven, eight years, things that I was passionate about that people used to come to me for answers on. Okay, I had lost 100 pounds. Karthik, how did you do that? Right? Or, right. hey, you know a lot about juicing. You've juiced for 108 days. Um, what juicer should I get? I could answer questions about that. So whether it's plant-based nutrition, juicing, you know, weight loss, all that stuff. Or eating. I, I also want to mention um, people that are having chronic diseases and helping them change their diet to have a better right. outcome with their right. chronic so disease. If it's, if it's reversing diabetes, type right. 2 diabetes or anything like that, hypertension, right? Uh, cardiovascular disease. There's so much that you can do with lifestyle. And I thought, okay, that's probably what I'm going to do because that was my story. But I love talking about psychology and mindset, right? Absolutely. And this is before EMDR. You know, if you listen to my mastication vacation videos, very little of it is actually about the details of, you know, today I drank this and just juice. It was more about, well, here's what I discovered today. Here's a thought that I had that I really want to share with you. Here's a lesson. Right. Yeah. And whether, you know, it's that applied psychology or whether it's, um, you know, an understanding of food addiction, that was the theme of that. So I could talk about all those things. So there's that. Um, I've also gotten much more <clears throat> passionate about the importance of sleep and routines and that sort of thing. Uh, and how those influence. And I was like, how am I going to like, here's, here's what you, you have to do, right? When you're, when you're in relative obscurity, uh, as a you know uh, entrepreneur, content creator, whatever the case may be, when people don't know you yet on a large scale, you have to focus your message on one thing so that people know you for that one thing. And I was like, I don't know what I'm like. There's so I'm a naturopathic doctor. You know how many te therapies that and uh, modalities that I learned, and you know between. Uh, botanical medicine and acupuncture and mind body medicine, like all these things. How how am I gonna how am I gonna narrow it down? Is talking about hormones? Or, like, what what is it? What am I gonna talk about? And that's when it just hit me that everything that I'm passionate about, everything that I've struggled with in life all boiled down to one thing, hmm. self-criticism. I was overweight because I used food to numb my pain, self-criticism. I was depressed because of losing my focus and my sense of purpose, 
because of self-criticism. I was struggling in making sure that my, uh, you know, going into my wedding that I was able to handle the stress and the financials and everything like that because of self-criticism. Everything was due to self-criticism. And that's when I realized, hey, I've solved this problem. So yes, I can talk about all these different things, but fundamentally, what do I help people alleviate? And I thought about all the patients I've ever helped and whatever they came in for, they might've come in for something acute, but we end up having a deep conversation about life, you know? And what did I find out for the people that were attracted to me? Self-critical. I help ambitious. So when I say I help ambitious individuals overcome self-criticism, it's because what is that? What I mean by ambitious is just people that, that know that they were made for more in this life. You know, that's the place I was in. Like any of those low points, like this is not what I was made for. This is not how the way it was supposed to be. I know that I can do more than this. I can be more than this to other people. I want more. So it's not about, you know, riches or it's, it's about being of service to people that I know that my life was meant for more. And those people that are on that tipping point, those are the ones who I serve, helping them overcome and end self-criticism so that they can actually take action, execute on the things that they love to lead a purpose-driven life. Because I feel like so many of us hold ourselves back due to self-criticism. And if you just take that away, everything opens up. Their potential becomes reality. And that and how I do that is really by incorporating all those things I mentioned earlier uh, with tools and strategies to create optimal everyday mental health. So what I mean by everyday mental health is, you know, there's on one extreme, we have mental illness, right? Right. On the other extreme, there's, you know, this idealized self-care. We should just all be on a beach in Costa Rica, sipping a Mai Tai. Like, this is self-care at its finest, you know, and let's take a picture and put it on Instagram. I don't know about you, that's not my life, right? So there's somewhere in between, somewhere in between that I call everyday mental health. What are the, what I, so I really, I teach about five pillars of everyday mental health. One is your relationship with yourself, your psychology, right? And that's most of what we talked about today. Uh, number two is your relationship with others. So that's, uh, that's your romantic relationship, your relationship with your parents or siblings, close friends, that sort of thing. Um, number three is nutrition and fasting. So I promote uh, eating more plants or more whole plants. So that's uh, something I talk about a lot as well as fasting. Number four is optimal sleep because that's something that we all overlook, especially when we're ambitious and we're go-getters and we're doing things, right? But sleep is incredibly important and there's ways of... Uh, kind of constructing your life so that you have uh, better quality sleep. And number five is exercise because, well, we all know that, uh, you know, getting your blood circulating is, uh, has so many benefits. And, and actually, again, talking about struggles, that's one of the things that has never come easy to me. I've never felt motivated to, you know, do that consistently. So yeah. uh, that's actually my next project here is uh for myself is i've challenged myself to do a half marathon in january and i've started training for that so uh you know sharing that along the way but anyway to get to to emdr allowed me to finally finish that last piece of the puzzle of ending my own self-criticism and again like you mentioned earlier it was it's different for different people not everybody necessarily need that that's Uh, true but where i was that's what i needed right 
Um, there's different ways of going about it, but helping that is what allowed me to have the clarity ultimately to get to the point that I was open enough and I'd let go enough. And I was, I was aware of what always had been. And it was just helping people, ambitious individuals and self-criticism with tools and strategies to create optimal everyday mental health. I really appreciate you telling us about that. And I think that is fantastic that you actually created your own five pillars. I think that's wonderful. Um, was there something that inspired these five pillars or was this something from your personal life that you sort of discovered? It's all, I mean, obviously we, you, we get training in all sorts of oh, things right. and we know what's important and all that stuff. But fundamentally, uh, there's this is all generated from my life and my understanding, reinforced by my training, reinforced by my clinical experience. But it's born of you know, everything that I've learned through my own experience and learned through others like you, like Nicole, like, you know, any, any of the books that I've read over the years and the courses that I've taken, that sort of thing. It's a accumulation of 35 years of, uh, of, um, you know, some highs and lows <laughs> that go into, yeah. you know, ending self-criticism. Well, I love that because I mean, I'm, we aren't going to go into that, but there is scientific evidence to back each of your five pillars. Um, whether it be in a psychology book or a biology book, uh, it is there. And I also want to say EMDR was the crowbar or the tool or whatever you call that, that helped crack open where to get back to your mission and who you were fundamentally. But I have to hand it to you to say this. It wasn't just the EMDR. It was also you accepting... Um, feedback from others that said, hey, you're going through a rough time. I really think you should try this. That was acceptance and openness. Even if you were not feeling it at the time, you eventually had that perspective and the attitude that I'm going to let this process work on me. Because whether you're in any type of counseling, psychotherapy, physical therapy, naturopathic medicine, um, going to a doctor for something else, uh, the attitude of openness and allowing and trusting that this practitioner can help me if I am allowing them to use their process and if I am participating in the process, because that is a risk and that is scary to participate and not just um, stay in my judgment zone or my comfort zone or whatever. So the reason EMDR worked so well for you is because I actually think it was the right therapy for you um, based on your um, everything we talked about earlier, but also because you allowed the process to work on you and you, you were at that point where you said, I just need something to work. I, this is never where I envisioned my life going after graduation and I just need something to work. And you trusted that uh, something would change and that the pain you were going through was temporary and then you had tremendous relief, and not just relief, but a tremendous boost. And so I wanted to put that out there, that it was also, there are so many of the things you talked about, about how you approach a therapy, and how you approach a change, and how you do that. Um, but that relationship with yourself, and not criticizing yourself for needing to go to therapy, okay? That is important. I hear that all the time. Uh, I, would, I don't want to go to therapy. I don't need that. Okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it 
it is such a such an attitude um you you somebody said i can't remember who said this but they said you're the one you have to deal with your whole life so why don't you start liking yourself why don't you start learning <laughs> to have a relationship with yourself you are stuck with yourself whether you're in a you can get in a relationship you can get in 20 relationships you can um keep yourself busy ad nauseum with netflix and internet and uh, jobs or whatever but you have to wake up and go to sleep in your in your own body and you're in your own mind and so it may be challenging there may be barriers there may be trauma there may be physical limitations there may be cultural barriers there may be all sorts of things that seem to constrict you from being able to work on the relationship with yourself but sometimes all it takes if you don't have a trusted friend is a journal and new information from someone anyone anywhere that is a healthy trusted professional so that that's being a, said go ahead yeah that's that's a really good point um you know it's uh just the the part about being self-critical when you need help you know i'll put it this way look i get it because i was, I was so there right oh yeah just like i remember i've done all this work i've done all this transformation and now i need emdr like why i didn't i rejected your idea first that's true I like, you did <laughs> I, I did you know let's let's not have revisionist history that's here true. i was you like did. you did. no the first phone I was call like, you said well i, I want a little more that. empathy here not a solution <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> but it, it didn't take me very long to say oh, yeah man he's right but then I was dragging my feet for a few weeks. Actually, I'm pretty sure that almost right after I hung up with you, I I, uh, I was like, eh, he's right. But then I still was dragging my feet for a few weeks until it really hurt enough. But well, we had a relationship where I called you back and said, "Hey, did you did you call the person?" You're like, "Oh, yeah, it was yeah." Getting I was like, to "Oh, it on Tuesday gotten to it yet?" And I was like, uh, and I was I was a bit of a beast because we have a relationship. I was like, "Yeah, uh, well, you know, you're telling me that you're suffering and depressed and upset more than you've been for since seven years ago or whatever it was." And uh, I think we need to do this. But you know, <laughs> you were receptive well, the thing is, we, at that point. We need, I think. We all need momentum, right? To get started from a dead stop is the hardest. It's so the hardest hard. for cars. That's why I said it's crowbar. hardest for us. Yeah. Right. And that's why it's it's critical to get momentum going. And I have two points with this. Um, one was in order to get that started, I needed the tough love from you. And I kind of recognize that now as I'm working with more uh, with other people, is that yes, there's I'm I'm always the empathetic ear for for my my patients, my clients, family, friends. Um, then we get to a point that it's like, okay, you needed to vent, but once it starts turning into a chronic complaining, complaining is not a strategy, right? So that's why on the Dr. K show. Uh, and I don't, somehow we haven't talked about this at this point. Um, but on the Dr. K show, I have three segments. And the last one is a segment that I call Bring the Heat. And what Bring the Heat is, is simply uh, a motivational speech. It's a short minute, minute and a half. And it's designed usually themed with uh, the, the subject of, of that week's episode. It's to help you get that little bit of a tough love push to get you to start a little bit. You take one small action, the next day get 1% better, 
a little bit more action, third day, a little bit more action that you can get moving out of a dead stop. And that's what you provided for me, which ended up being EMDR, which, and then it's like snowballs. It's, it, it does its job. And the other thing you mentioned was the importance of journaling. And uh, incidentally, <laughs> we didn't talk mm-hmm. about this, but um, I found that out myself because I was one of those people that I've heard from you and others and uh, you know, read the research and like journaling is so important, especially for mental health, right? But really for everybody, life, right? There's, there's aspects of writing, especially with pen and paper, not typing. There's aspects oh, of when you're writing, you're, the physical act of writing incorporates a lot of your left brain uh, activity, right? And that allows your almost like a distraction allows your right brain to be a little more creative and explore rather than being so analytical. If you're like me, hyper analytical. So it allows you to open up, but this whole idea of like open-ended journaling, I would give up because I was just like, I don't know what to write about today. And I would always Mm. just be critical about what I started writing. Like, this doesn't make sense. This is not a free, like a properly formatted paragraph or what. And I just give up on journaling. So ultimately, what I decided though is, okay, what if I created a journal that was, you know, because I, I, I always wanted to see what my goals were every day. And I wanted to remind myself my three month and one year goals, as well as my tasks for the day, like the most important things I needed to do. But then I also wanted something structured to go through every morning as part of my routine to not only put myself in the right mindset for the day, but allow, um, you know, practicing gratitude and uh, planning for if my days goes off course, how am I going to course correct? So I created something that was a little bit more structured along with, you know, a, a schedule that if you can write down your schedule for a day to, to for the day to, so that you kind of plan ahead, uh, but also to track again, those elements of everyday mental health. So your sleep, your nutrition, your exercise, right? And then finally, at the end of the day, I have, uh, you know, the end of the day, little journaling piece, like one thing I did today that makes me proud and one thing that I can improve. And it's just two simple questions as prompts. And all of the, all of the elements of this journal are written in the past or sorry, in, in past tense. Yes. So instead, so even though I'm writing in the morning, I'm saying, um, the one thing I did today, the most important thing I did today was. I did because I'm writing as if I've already done it and time just hasn't caught up. Right. And it, it ingrains that as fact. And then I execute better. So I created this journaling system for myself because it was a, really a journaling system for me, the person who doesn't like journaling. And um, as I was working with a couple of clients, I, you know, it was came up in conversation. I was like, Hey, talk, can we have that? I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So I gave it to them. And like, this is really good. This is really helping me. So uh, enough people asked for it. So actually, if if you are like me, hyper analytical person, um, you don't like journaling because it's too open ended. You want something structured that will uh, help you seize control of your morning, uh, reclaim your morning, so that you can execute on the rest of the day the way you intend to. Don't let the day get out of hand right away. Um, you can go to drkjournal.com. Drk journal.com and uh, you can download my uh, journal for free oh wow I didn't know we were getting a gift I love that I think I might download that because I know that journaling is important and when I do journaling I feel great and when I don't I you know sometimes drift from things I want to do so I would I think I'm going to pick that up myself 
Uh, speaking of Dr. K, uh, Dr. Karthik Ramanan, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Uh, you've alluded to having a show and some other services. So can you tell us about what you're doing, how people can find out about you, and maybe where you're going with it? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I do a weekly episodic show called The Dr. K Show. You can find it on YouTube at drkshow.com, drkshow.com. And uh, that's uh, that'll take you to the, the YouTube playlist. And uh, you can subscribe to my channel there for uh, you know, for future episodes. Uh, I also post it on, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram, a little bit delayed. Really YouTube has the best one cause it's got the, tra- uh, the, um, the bloopers and all that stuff. So if you want, you know, raw and real, just completely me who I am, you want, you want the YouTube version. So, um, but basically the premise of the show is I'm answering questions that are inspired by my audience. The things that, that my audience struggles with in the realm of everyday mental health, the things that come up as a person who is dealing with self-criticism, the tactical challenges of life. So I have a video, for instance, on uh, you know best foods for anxiety. So if you struggle with anxiety or self-critical person right now, you will change. Uh, you you know what are the things to focus on for food? Um, a lot of again relationship with self type of videos as well. I talk about the the five pillars of everyday mental health and and the different topics are in those five categories, relationship with self, relationship with others, uh, nutrition and fasting, sleep, and exercise. So really, the purpose of the show is to help you overcome self-criticism with those tools and strategies for optimal everyday mental health. And I've got three segments on the show and, and they're really short episodes, you know, usually between uh, five and seven minutes. But uh, the first part is answering, you know, the premise of the episode. Uh, the second part is a segment I call progress success, which is inspired by the audience, K nation, people just like you. And what I, what I like about progress success is that it's not about, hey, I reached the destination. Well, guess what? I reached, I, I reached my destination of losing 100 pounds once, and I wasn't happy. Hmm. Right? I yeah. lost 100 pounds, but I would still look in the mirror to myself when nobody's looking and grab a little, little flab on the side of my abdomen and be like, ah, oh, it's not enough. I never felt like it was enough. Right? And so it's it's not about the destination. Yes, you want to get healthy and all those things. But the most important thing is to have fun in the process and making progress, whether like the smallest wins can be the biggest change as time goes on. So I love celebrating the small wins from my audience. And that's what that second segment is. And then I mentioned the third segment and the final segment, which is bring the heat. And that's, that's the impassioned, motivated, motivational speech that uh, really is designed to help you get excited and get started. And, you know, we go from there. Wow. So uh, I'm going to put this link in the notes, but it's the Dr. K show. Is that what the, how, what's the YouTube name? Yeah, it's uh, the YouTube uh, channel is Dr. Karthik Ramanan. um, And we can give, uh, put the links to all that down below. But if you just want to go quickly to the playlist, uh, drkshow.com. And uh, it goes to the YouTube playlist, so you can subscribe from there on any of those videos. But uh, but yeah, that's, that's the quickest way to get to it. Um, 
and uh but yeah i have a lot of fun doing that it's a weekly show uh like i said um and then also for for people that want a little bit more of the behind the scenes and uh kind of real time things with a little funnier side i post on instagram stories and whatnot too so if you want to follow me there um but ultimately if any of you are interested any of you listening are interested and you feel like hey i know I know I want to do more with my life. Maybe it's, maybe it's leaving my job like you did, Dr. K, and doing something entrepreneurial that I believe in. Or maybe it's I just can't seem to take action on the things that matter to me because I keep holding myself back. And you know, I'm dealing with perfectionism all the time or whatever the case may be. If you're in that ballpark, um, you know, A, I encourage you to uh, subscribe to the show. Um, but also I'd really love to hear from you and the things that you're struggling with because I'm at a season of, uh, you know, my career right now where I'm constructing, uh, you know, services and obviously I do one-on-one coaching and, you know, if you want that, we can talk about that. Um, I do offer a free 15 minute consult so we can, you know, we can talk uh, for a little bit and see if that makes sense. Um, and I also want to understand what you're going through so that, uh, you know, again, I can create, you know, whatever type of uh, support, uh, whether it's a, you know, a private group, whether it's, um, you know, a, a, an online course to help you execute on your passions and end self-criticism, create those strong pillars of everyday mental health. So I would love to hear from you. Well, I love that service. Um, and I like that it's very accessible um, free information on YouTube. And then if they want more, I know you'll have uh, more to offer through the coaching and other things that you're coming up with. Um, so that is great. I'm excited uh, that to hear how you're doing things now, which is, I think, quite unique for doctors. And I think it's really, you know, you've got a heart for people. And I think it's a great way to reach people uh, because I've said this before, but we're swimming in information. Uh, people have information all over. The application of the information and the implementation of things that are well documented in science, um, I think, is the is the human struggle. How do we actually change that behavior, change that attitude? And what something you said struck me, which was have fun in the process. And I love that. I think that's something I'm going to start. Um, trying to bring in, you know, I, I guess I do bring a little bit of that into my counseling, even though I do trauma-informed therapy. Once the person is feeling better, I do bring some humor into the uh, process and hopefully some fun too, uh, some fun assignments or some fun things we discuss together. So I think that's an incredibly important part of this um, because, uh, yeah, we, we have a potential to have a joyful life despite whatever you've been through, whatever trauma you've been through in the past. And you may need help or support to get to that point. Um, but I'm just grateful, Karthik, that you have shared your story and your transformation and um, and how you're helping others right now. And I think that's fantastic. It's very unique. And I think well needed in our society, um, which... Uh, I think focuses on a lot of things that are quite negative and destructive to our health and our mental health and our relationships. And um, 
therefore leaves people in a self-critical, self-loathing state um, and a stressed-out state. And we discussed earlier how stress actually is something that really can um, bring out our most, I don't know, difficult parts of ourself or uh, really it can really hurt us and bring us to the brink. So, um, yeah, that's what I've got to say about that. Dr. Ramana, what do you, th- anything else you got to say to summarize? Well, uh, yeah, just, uh, I would, I would love to, you know, connect with you. Um, I'm always open to, you know, on, on Instagram DMS, I have conversations with people all the time. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm very open. I think you've figured that out by this point, but, uh, but also I, I feel that, that allows me the fact that I have gone through so many things that I know many of you have gone through. It allows me to understand at a deeper level and help you apply uh, some tactical wisdom to help yourself, uh, you know, really get to that place that you want to be. Because ultimately, ultimately, when it boils right down to it, I believe all of us have a purpose in this world, and it's a great purpose. It's not just to go to work every day, come home, you know, uh, eat whatever we can get our hands on, watch a bunch of Netflix or whatever the case may be, and then just go do it again, right? We, that's not what we were made for. I believe all of us have a purpose that exceeds that by a long shot. And if we just listen to our life and listen to our heart, we'll be able to figure that out. But a lot of us, if you're like me, hold ourselves back because we're self-critical. And uh, that's what I would love to help you end so that you can really be the person that you want to be. Because ultimately, I believe in people even if nobody ever has. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's a a great message to have on this show uh, because that is what we do, which is helping people to believe in themselves and to be not critical, you do need someone in your life who believes in you. And whether that's a friend or a mentor, or I heard the other day, if you don't have family, you have family, which is friends is <laughs> family. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, that's hard to come by. So a lot of times people can come to a doctor or a counselor, and that is the first person that's ever believed in them. And that can go a long way. It goes a lot further, uh, I think, in the realm of meaning to help that person become who they can be and ultimately impact the rest of whoever they're surrounding themselves with in an excellent way in a needed. Yeah, way. absolutely. And, and I'll say this also, um, and I, I didn't realize this when, when you recommended EMDR and to see a therapist, but you know, it, cause I, I have people like you, friends like you that, uh, are so knowledgeable and you know, you, you, professional you do this you know like so the idea of well i have people that can help me that are really informed but i totally underestimated the value of having somebody in my life that i can go to and i by the way i still go to her and i would say that i'm cured so to speak but i still go to her because again it's about being preventative and being my best self and Uh i don't go as frequent as i used to obviously i used to go every week now i go every six weeks um, but it's to, uh, the, the value of having somebody who is outside of your day-to-day life, 
your friends, your family that are kind of maybe involved in any of the stories or the stresses or whatever that's going on, right? Yeah. And have somebody that's totally independent who's totally able to just listen and not judge because they're not in the midst of everything, right? I did not, like I totally underestimated how powerful that was. And um, so just to your point, you know, having having somebody that knows how to help you that's not intertwined in your day-to-day life is so valuable. I could not agree more, uh, Karthik. I appreciate that comment. And yeah, I'm excited to let people hear this episode, to put it out there, uh, to have all of your contact information in the show notes below and uh, people can access your stuff for free and if they're interested they can go further Um, yeah I just thank you so much for being a a good friend and being a guest on this podcast absolutely thank you my friend There you have it. I certainly enjoyed my discussion with Dr. Karthik Ramanan, and I hope you did too. If you are enjoying the Intentional Clinician podcast, please share it with people you know. I would surely appreciate it. If you're interested in learning more about Dr. Karthik Ramanan and his work, there will be links in the show notes. If you're interested in knowing more about my work and what I'm doing, I will also have those same links and a bio in the show notes. Until next time on the Intentional Clinician, I am wishing you all the will to keep going and keep growing. If you're a clinician like I am, you may be looking for the best medical records out there, especially electronic medical records, which I find highly convenient. If you're looking for that, I recommend Simple Practice. If you're interested in trying it out, I have a link in the notes to this episode for a 30-day free trial. And if you utilize the link I provided and decide to subscribe at the end of the 30 days, the Intentional Clinician Podcast will get a small referral fee. I thank you in advance. The recording you just listened to consists of the personal opinions of Paul Krauss and his guest, and while these may be based upon the literature and experience in the fields that these people are in, they should not be viewed as the definitive opinion on any subject. Listening to this podcast is not a substitute for treatment. If you are in a crisis, please dial 911 or the National Suicide Prevention Line. Call 1-800-273-8255. If you are in need of counseling, do not hesitate to make an appointment with a local counselor in your area. If you like, you can make an appointment with Paul or one of his associates by emailing or calling. The information for this is at www.healthforlifegr.com or paulkrauscounseling.com. 
You can also find it by Googling the Trauma-Informed Counseling Center of Grand Rapids. 